Welcome back, Tributes, to episode 74, oh my goodness, of Into the Arena. I'm Holly. I'm Emily. And we've made it to 74 episodes, 74 years in the arena. Look at this. We've done it. <laughs> 74th games. <laughs> <laughs> so we made it. Um, but before we dive into part three of our three-part series about book ballad here are some fun announcements join us for tribute talk every thursday 6 30 pacific 9 30 eastern ballad is coming out in a matter of a few weeks guys come on let's go another thing turn on your notifications for us on youtube and instagram because Lots of things are coming. I mean, we're getting our first clip, we're getting trailers, we're getting ads, we're getting Urban Outfitters, we're getting everything. So like, stay tuned for our notifications. And finally, if you haven't already, add Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes to your Q app watch list for a chance to be entered to win a trip to a fan event for the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Go to the Q app, download it, add Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. And let's dive into this episode. We are talking part three of the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, The Peacekeeper, picking up with chapter 21. So Snow is on the train to District 12. Can we He's just depressed. Talk about this? He's sad. He's a sad boy. <laughs> He's literally on this train for like 24 hours. Can we talk like how he came full circle from this train with all the tributes to now being shipped out to the districts? Look at him go. In a little bit nicer conditions, though, I would say. It's not a livestock car, but it's still nothing great. It's just not his best moment. Then we kind of get a flashback to his conversation that he had with Dean Highbottom, which mm -hmm. is another reason why I love Suzanne, because she abruptly ended part two with us finding out Coriolanus has to become a peacekeeper to going back and then studying what happened in this interaction and figuring out what happened. So mm -hmm. love Suzanne for writing it that way. I think it's perfect so that we get that classic chapter ending where it just happens suddenly really fast and mm -hmm. we're thrown into it. Now let's reflect on what actually happened in that conversation. And what happened in that conversation is the, I feel like now infamous ballad quote. Do you hear that? That's the sound of snow falling. And in front of Casca Highbottom are three items, the napkin, the compact, and the handkerchief. Which I really like this quote. He asks... She gave you the compact and his heart dropped. He's sad that maybe she just gave it over or maybe even ratted him out about it. But she mm -hmm. didn't. She says, no, this was all my idea. I feel like he's upset that she might have ratted him out, but then gives him an alibi saying that the rat poison was all her idea. And then he just goes along with it. He's like, yeah, 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 it was her idea. <laughs> like he would betray her in a second but she Ugh. was immediately protecting him. I also have to argue, I was just about to say this was the first time, so I just reread Ballad to do this episode, and this is the first time I've read it and thought to myself, I see where they're coming from, and I see Coriolanus does love Lucy Gray. I think he's in love with her. I think we'll kind of explore it a little bit more, but I think just that initial reaction is a good example of that. He was disappointed that she would have let him down that way. I think he is, but if it came down to like her or him in a moment where he has time to think about it, he would still pick himself. 
yeah it'll be self-preservation but, but he I just think doesn't he have her. to like make that choice like he doesn't have to sell true. her out in this moment very true and then I think it's so interesting because Coriolanus turns to high bottom and he turns to him and says well, why do you hate me so much I thought you were my father's friend the dean goes I thought I was two once but it turns out I was only someone he liked because he could use them even now but he's dead now he's been dead for years and he deserves to be but he seems very much alive in you and that quote I feel like we're starting to branch out more and more into this question of is Coriolanus going to turn out to be more like his mother or more like his father that's Mm -hmm. definitely a big theme that we're seeing agreed he goes back home he starts crying a goodbye with the grandmam and tigress like see you in 20 years then he's like the grandmam will be dead yeah this is the last time i will be seeing this is goodbye and he and tigress go to pack and then they can't sleep so they go up to the rooftop which is a little bit of a parallel um mm-hmm. we, all remember, we get another rooftop scene maybe we'll get a rooftop scene in the movie and then that's goodbye to tigress i mean except for letters oh true that does make me more sad so we're back on the train one other interesting thing on the train is when he's passing by the ruined cities which i think is mm-hmm. really cool i would love if they showed that in the movie i just think that's that would be cool. a cool little moment where he's like sad about all of these cities that are now in ruins that have gone to waste. And yeah, he makes it to the recruitment center, meets his bunk mates. And it's so interesting because at the recruitment center, which is, we're obviously in District 12 now, the TV there is not working and no one has any recollection or cares about the Hunger Games that just happened, even though they have the victor, because no one really watches that TV. And it's really interesting because no one even knows really about Lucy Gray. So nobody really knows what their relationship is or who Mm -hmm. Snow is. Tigress writes to Corio and he receives his first letter. It's not good news. They're selling the penthouse. It's like going on the market, which I mean was a reality that Snow knew about, but just hearing it officially in words, I feel like he gets very depressed at the end Mm -hmm. of this chapter. It feels like his lowest point. I mean, trigger warning, but he does even mention in chapter 22, he was contemplating suicide. But then all of a sudden, who shows up? Sejanus! Sejanus! One of the best moments of the book because Sejanus is back. <laughs> the worst because you're like, this is not going to turn out well for you. I, I hoped he would just disappear. <laughs> <laughs> A pro is Sejanus is here. A con is Sejanus is here. But I think this is one of the first moments besides winning as a mentor, I guess, but Lucy Gray winning the games. This is like the only moment of pure joy that we get from the book. Yeah. I wrote that down too. I'm like, this is the happiest this man has ever been. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like comparatively to Lucy Gray winning the Hunger Games. So like, I thought that you didn't want to be associated with him, sir. I don't understand. But then a few pages later, the reason that he is so happy or he says that one of the reasons he's so happy to himself is somebody around now knows how important snow is knows that snow matters i think it goes back to just our discussion about appearance how people Mm -hmm. perceive him is very important to him and so he needs to have someone around him who 
knows that he's capital, who knows that he's better than everybody else. I think it's interesting because in chapter 22, Coriolanus is so excited to see Sejanus and he confesses to him that he cheated to win the games. They go to drill practice and then they're told at practice that they have been selected to go to the hanging that's happening later, which ends up being the hanging of Arlo Chance. Okay, this might be a stretch, but isn't one o'clock when the reaping for District 12 airs? I remember at the beginning of the book, he said like 1 p.m. Mm. <laughs> I just found like another little time. Yeah. And so like these forms of entertainment are taking place at the same time and are forms of entertainment because people are being forced to gather and watch these horrific deaths right in front of them. Nice little midday hanging. <laughs> you know, which actually, I mean, happened. That was a thing it, we've learned in history. And so this part is really, really dark. The chapter ending of Run, Run, Lil, Run. And the beginning of chapter 23 is the Jabberjays repeating the phrase over and over. And then the Mockingjays taking over with just the melody of those words. Which I also think this part is so interesting because this is innocence being taken away. That's another big theme is this loss of innocence that Coriolanus is experiencing. Another death he's witnessing right in front of him. Like he has killed bobbin already and now he's witnessing and being a part of another murder we're slowly seeing like this innocence and this purity being taken away from Mm -hmm. snow against his will again Mm -hmm. like he doesn't want to be there then he starts reflecting on this idea of chaos and control and the essay that he was supposed to write dr gall as well we get another letter this time from pluribus because he remembered something that happened between Highbottom and his father, kind of an argument or a falling out that he feels like he witnessed, which mm-hmm. doesn't give us much more information, just that something happened between the two of them in a little bit more detail. And so Snow is still left kind of wondering about that. And we get this conversation between Snow and Sejanus post the hanging where Sejanus says he thought he could be a medic, which always makes me so sad every time I read it. He just wants to get out of the capital and he just wants to help people in some small way. And the world is denying him this. <laughs> mm-hmm. It reminds me so much of Prim. I'm sure it reminds Being everyone of Prim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I do, after that line, I get a little bit frustrated with Sejanus because he... Is upset that he can't be a medic, but then I feel like he's spiraling a little bit. There's nothing he can do, and he's complaining about how good of a soldier he is. He's a crack mm-hmm. shot, and Snow is just getting fed up because he has all this privilege and hasn't been able to see it clearly. I feel like he's trying to knock some sense into him to be like rational about things. Which he does need to do because Sejanus is this opposite end of what Corio is and is so optimistic and sees everything perfectly and with these rose-tinted glasses. And so he has to knock sense into him. So like, I kind of agree with him and I agree with your frustration and annoyance with his privilege and just like, Sejanus, get out of your bubble. Get out of your head. It's like, okay, it is really sad that you can't be a medic. Like, I'm sorry, but maybe he could get to that point. Maybe he could take that officer's exam. He could move back up into influence. I feel like he has 
options. Then everyone gets ready because they start talking about a uh, performance going on at the Hob. Woohoo, mm-hmm. party, who's this? Some girl named Lucy Gray. I don't know. Have you ever heard Hi. of her? and I think another interesting part I love picking out these little details now that I'm reading like rereading and Coriolanus he gets a beard and he talks about like he starts growing some stubble and he gets like really excited about that and that's just like another sign of him leaving boyhood and like this innocence that I just Suzanne I love you queen you're so great that's a really good detail so we get to the hob iconic we meet Maud Ivory a sleigh moment for everyone we love mud ivory we get a few songs we get the crawl into you song oh my darling clementine nothing you can take from me which was the reaping song and the valley song which was from the zoo it's just like it's a whole whole set list here that we get <laughs> in this chapter and I just love that the Valley song is dedicated to Corio. Like, that's so cute. I'm falling more in love with their romance because, like, part of me believes that I just wish it was different. I think that's, like, I'm holding on to that hope. Like, I wish it were different. Yeah, like, I don't think what happens is inevitable. I feel mm-hmm. like Corio could have chosen a different path. I don't know. We'll get to it in a later chapter, yeah, but yeah. I do love the romance as well. I'm looking forward to the movie and their their chemistry. We get all of the songs, and then while they're performing, Snow is starting to get really possessive again. Like, he's thinking about mm-hmm. oh, being with her, but then he's like, oh, wow, she's such a good performer. She's so pretty. Like, this could be a big problem for me. And while he's having those possessive thoughts, he sees Billy Tope for the first time and that a jealousy just immediately comes back. It's him. That's what Suzanne writes in italics. I love how Maude Ivory immediately goes to protect Lucy Gray. Like she acts like this big mm-hmm. bodyguard. I'm like I yeah, love you, Queen. Billy Tope goes up and is confronting the Covey. I think he says something like, thin. You're all sounding real thin. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. And then we get to the part where the lights all go out. Corio is like scared immediately. He's he's transported back into the arena and, and his experience there and thinking about humanity and how scary a place the arena was. Which is so sick to me because he talks about this animal wildness and like naked humanity is what he calls it. And it just makes me think of how he's experienced that in the arena. And he goes on to make other children experience that in the arena. That's the part of him I cannot advocate for. He doesn't believe in taking lives, like taking as few lives as possible. But dude, why are you letting children experience the same trauma that you experienced? It just, that shows his pure craziness. Mm -hmm because he even more and more sees them as like other he's above them they're mm-hmm. more like animals than people so he's okay with it yeah and then he finds it unnerving because outside the hob miners actually fight back he gets freaked out because he really isn't that big of a guy <laughs> so despite starts... getting into several schoolyard scuffles back oh in yes the then they're forced to walk mayfair home he's a part of the peacekeeper committee forced to walk Mayfair home which is a great time and they find out that Billy Tope was inside the mayor's house. They also find out that Lucy Gray lives in a place called The Seam so they make a plan to go 
find her there the next day. Corio drags Sejanus along with him. And Sejanus and... is happy to go. He's like, I'll go with you. I'll help find your girl. It's so cute. He's this little wingman. Like, I just love Sejanus, our little puppy dog. So cute. Snow is like trying to back out from what I remember. They're like walking along. He's like, I don't know about this place. Yeah. This looks no. scary. <laughs> I don't think we should be here. <laughs> They get to their house, which is described as Katniss's house. Very similar to Katniss's house, question mark. Yeah. Um, and she's not there, but Maud Ivory leads Coriolanus. And we have this scene from the release of the Hanging Tree song by Rachel oh, Zegler. Snow walking up to Lucy Gray and she's she's playing the hanging tree for the first time and I just love this visual that they've also copied over into the movie of her back to him and he's literally gonna stab her in the back oh I just I love it I love it I love it she like turns Mm -hmm. (laughs) so they reunite they're talking to each other and then they start to fill each other in on what happened to them from each of their perspectives during the games that they missed out on they're filling in the blanks for each other and we find out that dean highbottom he gave her some money before she left the capital just a wad of cash and also at this part um corio refers to lucy gray as his girlfriend oh all right some progress (laughs) (laughs) so unofficially i guess then they decide to go back to the house and they're at the house and they look outside and so janus is with billy tope with a map of the base what (laughs) oh no so we have a confrontation between corio and billy tope at the beginning of chapter 25 they have some words from each other i'm like are they gonna fight oh my gosh (laughs) i know (laughs) lucy gray is like holding them back and it's at this point that lucy gray and snow decide mutually to keep their relationship quiet kind of keep it a secret snow goes and confronts sejanus about the map he's like hey buddy what is this and sejanus is like oh it's nothing like seriously just don't even listen to me snow is worried that he's gonna do something you know really drastic but sejanus is reassuring him no like it's fine they just want to communicate with lil and and make sure that she's okay that she's okay do you think he's lying? Like, he's clearly lying, right? Does Sejanus know at this point? I actually don't. Well, I don't know. It could go either way. He might know about the full-on plan, or he might not. I feel like he is kind of naive. So maybe mm-hmm. they haven't told him at this point. Because I don't know if they would trust him fully on their side to give him all the details. So I think it's just like, as he ends up giving them more and more information and helping them more... They start to trust him more, and by the end of it, he's just so wrapped up in it that he's running away. He's part of the plan. He's getting weapons. Mm -hmm. So then Snow realizes that Dr. Gall was actually kind of, like, low-key maybe not upset with him, (laughs) as like, as upset with him. Maybe I should keep up this connection. He's like, let me add her on my LinkedIn profile real quick. Yeah. (laughs) And he's like, I need to continue my essay about chaos for Dr. Gall because he realizes, you know, turn in your assignments after you graduate, apparently. No matter what, you got to get that assignment. That's what he learned. That's what we learned on Roblox, too. 
Oh, true. True. <laughs> and Snow ends up deciding to take the officer's exam. He's like, you know what? This might actually be something I should do. Like, this might be another path to power mm-hmm. down the line. He's already starting to plan his future again as a peacekeeper. The peacekeeper recruits start shooting birds around the gallows. Snow's idea came to fruition and excitedly they get to kill birds because that's his new favorite activity instead of bird watching you know there's bird killing which he loves and then he actually takes the officer exam which good for him i love that part though because we said when sejanus showed up he's never been happier but i think a close Mm -hmm. second is when he takes this test and he just has a paragraph about how much he loves the thrill of test taking it's so funny this man is the most boring man ever. I can't I'm with like him. like one of those. I cannot, uh, I cannot no. relate. <laughs> he feels a little bit, you know, like privacy isn't a thing and decides to go through all of Sejanus's belongings. Reminds me of Survivor when the tribe decides to like go through somebody's stuff. Okay, so true. hurry up, go through it while they're out getting water. Just another Survivor similarity. Shout out Chase. And he finds a bunch of money. And he's also sad that there isn't a single picture of him or his capital classmates. Can we please just edit in like a locket, like just a cute little locket, and then put that photo of, of them in, like of Coriolanus? You know, it's funny because in the movie they take that one picture. So maybe he it's in a burn book. He keeps the photo in his stuff, like him and Sejanus, but then Sejanus doesn't keep the photo in his stuff. Oh my god talk about rejection it's like it's like you know when you have like someone as your lock screen and then like they don't have you back it's kind of like it's kind of that's the moment we're living in what if they take the picture and then they get it and then they rip it in half and they each keep the other one and he has his half but (laughs) the snow half isn't in the box (laughs) he's like where is it i mean nothing to this man (laughs) i am betrayed it's on ma plint's mantle just like in a little makeshift frame oh my gosh (laughs) yeah it is it will be it will be oh my gosh i can't do this part three is too much Part three, so much happens in part three. Oh I'm gonna my gosh. cry multiple times. He asks Sejanus. Sejanus lies about it. And now everything Sejanus says was suspect. That was my most gut-wrenching chapter ending because I knew it was mm-hmm. the start of the end for Sejanus. So then at the beginning of chapter 26, we have a conversation between Dr. K, who created the Jabber Jays, and Snow. They talk about the Jabber Jays and her failure of creating them, and he learns how they work the recording and everything which will be a special tool we use for later (laughs) they wind up back at the hob and i feel like chapter 26 is where the relationship clearly starts to fall apart it seems like in this chapter every single time she speaks he is frustrated or annoyed with what she says he's getting frustrated that she compares everything to birds and he doesn't like birds really so the fact that she's a bird I don't know it's just like not really lining up anymore they have some conversations about their worldview 
and like what happened to them in the past and not really vibing in that moment either. And then she ends up singing the William Wordsworth Lucy Gray poem, which he also doesn't mm-hmm. like. What a hater. Like this dude needs to chill. I just want to say too, it also stresses me out because I think this is the part where they start to realize like almost like the situation they were in. They were in love with this idea of being a star-crossed lover. Cut the cameras. Here's the reality. They don't, like you said, they don't feel well suited for each other. There's a part in Bal- I think it might have been chapter 25 in my notes where Lucy Gray and Coriolanus are talking about the future and there's quote a cloud over her like why is there a cloud hanging over her when she's talking about this future with him it's like oh because she could have had a different future he could have had a different future but they're kind of just settling for each other right now she starts to realize that he's just never gonna get it even though they have that shared experience in the arena it wasn't the same and Mm -hmm. their worldview is so different and I think a lot of the lure for him was that people seemed interested in her and like being connected with her gave him kind of that spotlight as well Mm -hmm. and him being responsible or feeling responsible for a lot of what she did in the games and that just reflected well back on him but in district 12 that spotlight isn't there it all comes down to this like whole what do you hunger for which <laughs> I know we're not like a fan of with the marketing but, but it at does. the end like it all comes down to he needs to be in control and have power and she wants freedom she hungers for freedom mm-hmm. she's a free spirit yeah. and then at the end of chapter 26 we get Sejanus disappearing mm. and he he comes back and he lies about where he went mm-hmm. it's that line the white liquor just goes right through me yeah mm-hmm. snow sees right through that oh and i just hate where this is going mm-hmm. they have their little outing on sunday mm-hmm. to the lake kind of fun yeah have a good time there but we get them swimming you know we get that we get the katniss reference deep in the meadow like mm-hmm. it's a good time but I think we get more conversation between Lucy Gray and Snow about their worldviews and what people are like and whether they have to be controlled or not. And we just continue to see that they, they don't align in their thinking. And then one of your favorite lines comes up here too. Oh yeah, the I love all kinds of things I don't trust. Snow being one of them. <laughs> and then Snow actually finds out that Sejanus is out buying weapons for the rebels with the money that he has. Getting deeper and deeper into this. This also makes me look at Sejanus in the same way. Are they taking advantage of him and his innocence? Because he's also losing his boyhood from these situations and from this trauma. Yeah, I think so. I think he's he doesn't know where to turn and he's angry and wants to just try and find some way to go against the capital. So this is the route that is presented him. So then we've got the end of chapter 27, where Ugh. we've got Snow and Sejanus together. And Snow goes up to Sejanus is like, you know, I'm, I'm worried about you. We're so close. You know, if something's bothering you or anything's going on, you can tell me. And Sejanus starts to voice what the plan he's been part of is. And Snow decides to hit record on the Jabberjay. And I hate it because it says instead his hands acted on their own. Like you said before, he wouldn't defend Lucy Gray on instinct. He is defending only himself 
on instinct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's his, definitely his instinct is to protect himself, which I mean, I don't think just that alone I would blame him for. I feel like the majority of people, your instinct would be to like protect yourself. But I do feel like that's going a step further because it's like a what if. It's not like self-defense in that moment. It's like, well, if this got out, maybe it would be tracked back to me. It's like he's thinking like 20 steps ahead. And then he has Mm -hmm. that thought where he's like, I want to go run and just erase it. He does have time to think that thought, but he doesn't. He doesn't do anything about it. Let me just say, Corio's in his reputation era for <laughs> eras. All he cares about is defending his reputation and himself. So we find ourselves back at the hub again. We get my favorite song, Sell You for a Song, mm-hmm. which I don't think is going to make it into the movie, but I, uh. I love it so much. And I just love that song right here. I've said it once, I'll say it a thousand times because I feel like it, portrays yeah Lucy Gray and Snow but I think Snow and Sejanus's relationship after what just happened even more you know I'll sell you for a song Mm -hmm. I'll sell you out I just did I feel like that's just like the most in your face ever and it hurts Sejanus is gone and Corio goes to the shed and finds everybody everybody's there we've got Billy Tope, Sejanus, Spruce, and then Mayfair also shows up, and Lucy Gray. So everybody's in the shed. The room where it happens, right here. (laughs) They're talking about the plan. Mayfair starts to get too upset. And then we get Keep on the Sunny Side, which is such a cinematic shot. I know Mm. it. Like you and me and Dr. Paradis talked about this. Just as this is happening, the tension unfolding. Corio shoots Mayfair, but then Billy Tope jumps in front of Mayfair. And so Spruce ends up shooting Billy Tope. So Billy Tope and Mayfair are both dead in an instant. They all got to scatter. Lucy Gray has to go back on stage so that she has an alibi. And so Janus and Snow go back into the hob and go back to their seats, thinking mm-hmm. that people will just think that they went to the bathroom, that they couldn't have been gone long enough to actually be part of the scene of the crime. So they're definitely all on edge about what happened. They are worried that they're going to be found out. And officers end up coming up to the group of peacekeepers and arresting Sejanus which they all freak out about because they're like, no way, he couldn't have been involved in the shooting. That's not Sejanus. But then the officers say, no, I think this is related to something else. And Snow knows Mm -hmm. what he's done. And that's the reason that Sejanus has been arrested. And pretty soon after that, they announce Sejanus Plinth is going to be hung. It all happens way too fast for me. It happens so fast. Well, his... His hanging happens, like, in a page. Like, the next page. Yep. Yeah. And it's over. And it ends with Ma, they, Ma, like, Ma. He's walking. They see each other. Lock eyes. We don't even really understand what that final communication is between the two of them. Mm-hmm. We don't know if Sejanus suspects anything or, or not. Or if he's just, you know, trying to look at someone he cares about. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Emily's going to be broken in the theater. I'm going to be broken in the theater because I'm going to be honest, guys, Josh has a puppy baby face. Like he is a cutie pie. And I know I'm going to fall in love with him as Sejanus. 
And so I know I'm going to be heartbroken when this happens. I hope I am because reading this part in the book, I mean, snow does break down a little bit at the beginning of the next chapter or a lot. He breaks down a lot, but it's just over very quickly. It's over way too abruptly for me because I was crying Mm -hmm. while reading the book for the first time at this part. I was so sad. I was sad and I wasn't really crying, but then snow starts crying and like when somebody else starts crying, then I start crying, you know? In chapter 29, it says, Coriolanus had killed Sejanus as surely as if he'd bludgeoned him to death like Bobbin or gunned him down like Mayfair. He killed the person who considered him his brother. And so like we have that, but then it cuts to what choice did you have? What choice? No choice. Like, dude, How many times do I have to say that? He had every choice. I don't... (laughs) He killed him on a hypothetical. If something happened to Sejanus, it would reflect badly on him. Like, Mm -hmm. that is the reason that he recorded on the Jabberjay. And that is the reason that Sejanus was killed. What choice? Yeah. (laughs) Yep. And then he's over it, just like that. He actually gets called into the commander's office... Not to be interrogated, but to be thanked. It's crazy how quickly he's so scared going into that office, but then switches immediately. As soon as he knows he's off the hook, he's like, oh, okay, this mm-hmm. this is great. Yeah. Thank me. <laughs> he is just so selfish. He's I literally so can't get it. over it. Yeah. Commander Hoff says that it's his birthday and there's going to be a birthday party later. So we're at the birthday and Lucy Gray ends up singing Pure as the Driven Snow, which is also one of my favorite songs in the book. And I cannot wait to hear Rachel Ziegler sing this one. It's going to be so good. That's going to be amazing. I think now that we've heard Hanging Tree, I mean, I love the ballad of Lucy Gray, but I love Pure as the Driven Snow. And it's going to be so exciting because it's a new song. It's something... Mm -hmm that we haven't heard the official version for yet. And then Snow and Lucy Gray make a plan to run away together. Off they will go to the wilderness to survive. I don't know. Coriolanus is like, get me out of here before they find out. It's only a matter of time that I am connected to all of this. And then she ends up singing The Hanging Tree again because it connects to they're going to run away, meet at The Hanging Tree People talk about this all the time, but I just love how we can think about what President Snow's thoughts are to Katniss singing The Hanging Tree or to Stephen the Meadow or The Valley Song. Like these have been like shouted out in performances from Lucy Gray. Like I think that's all these songs before. And it strikes a chord. I just want to see it so bad, Donald Sutherland. Let me see it. And then we finish chapter 29 with, you leave for officer's school tomorrow. Dang it. (laughs) You know what? I'm going to have to cancel my reservation with Lucy Gray in the woods for the rest of my life because I got to get myself to district whatever. He he cancels it permanently. (laughs) Chapter 30, which is probably the most dramatic chapter I have ever read by Suzanne Collins in my entire life. And that's saying a lot. That's saying a lot. Yeah, like we have our own personal hunger games, which I love that line that he says it turns into their own personal hunger games. But Mm -hmm. Snow meets Lucy Gray and they leave District 12. As they're walking, they're kind of talking, la-di-da-di-da. And Snow makes a comment about killing three people. And Lucy Gray goes, 
wait, wait, what do you mean you've killed three people this summer? And he's like, oh, you know, like the ghost of my old self I've killed. They decide to stop at the cabin and they find the weapons in the bag. Mm-hmm. The wheels start turning, I think, in both of their minds. And Lucy Gray is like, oh, let me go, go pick some Katniss right now. And he's like, oh, but it's raining. And she's like, it's fine. I'm not made of sugar. He starts thinking about Lucy Gray and her intentions. And it just, everything collapses in that moment. Everything falls apart. Snow and Lucy Gray go crazy. He grabs the gun and he starts chasing her through the forest. And he ends up finding her scarf and he gets bitten by a snake and then that puts all the puzzle pieces together for him and he's convinced she is not so docile after all she's not the little lamb that he thought she was as billy mm-hmm. tope says he does start shooting and he ends up hitting her we think because we hear a cry from her then he hears her singing the hanging tree which the fact that it's like the very last thing that we hear from her I think just makes it even more wild when President Snow hears this. That has to be a crazy moment for him. It has to be like a point of trauma for him. I feel like like that is a moment of just pure trauma. And like, I just would love to see that. And the fact that it ends up getting used for propos, for his enemy, for the rebellion. Yeah, I would just wish I could be a fly on the wall. So we hear her singing The Hanging Tree and we don't hear from Lucy Gray after that. We heard her cry. We hear The Hanging Tree. We hear the mocking jays. But then he gets back to the lake and decides to weigh it down, swim out to the middle, drop it into the lake, and he heads back to District 12. That leaves the question for this episode is, is Lucy Gray there, dead or alive, at the end of Mockingjay? And please do not tell me that she is Katniss's grandma. I, those That's not accepted. That's not an or acceptable about, answer. yes, she's alive just because you want her to be. Like, what do you yes. really, really think? <laughs> yeah, what do you really think? Because I want her to be alive. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but I don't want her to have died. Then Coriolanus makes it back and finds out the snake wasn't poisonous and this was all a test from Dr. Gull. It's a Truman Show moment. It's a true Truman Show moment. And then he goes back to the Capitol and we get him in the epilogue actually starting at the university. Stratton his stuff. He looks good in his new suit. (laughs) I don't like his haircut. Mm, I'm not a fan. Yeah, whatever. It's like two seconds at the end, so we don't have to like it. We're not supposed to like (laughs) it at, at that point, so it's fine. (laughs) true true i've been saying Um, that like i am going to fry at a couple points i'm going to cry when sejanus the hanging of course and then i'm gonna cry when he gets the buzz cut at the beginning of part three and the curls go away (laughs) i love the wig i love the the blonde curls it's great that should be another poll team curls or team buzz cut I'm Team Curls. I know yeah. a lot of people like the buzz cut, so. To wrap things up, to really just rub some salt in the wound, Coriolanus has pretty much been adopted by the Plints. So that. he has all of the privilege. He has all the access. He has all Ma's desserts all, he all could the, possibly want. The grooming towards power. He's just on his way to poison his first little victim, Mr. Dean Casca Highbottom. In the epilogue, we learn 
that the Hunger Games was actually the idea of High Bottoms and Sir Cress's Snow. So we get a little moment understanding why they had their falling out because Crassus Snow wanted to follow up with this idea and continue this idea of the Hunger Games that Dean Highbottom kind of just threw around. And then we cut to um, the fact that Greasy Say opens up the next part um, with a whole memoir as to her being Lucy Gray, so. Uh-huh, that's the sequel. That is The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, all three parts. That- there you go. In about three hours, there is the breakdown of the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, part by part. We had a lot to get through in this episode, so obviously we're missing parts, but we would love, in the last few episodes, y'all have been sharing your favorite quotes, favorite parts, mm-hmm. keep doing that, favorite scenes, what you're looking forward to. Let us know and join us for Tribute Talk, like always. We will see you for our next episode, which will be in November of 2023. Emily, it's ballad month. I just got chills. Let's do this. So with that, we will see you next time. Bye. See ya.